And it, so it talked about being saved, talked about being called, it talked about the purpose, a grace given to us, not for our own purposes, but his purpose. And then it talked about, well, it talked about salvation, it talked about the calling, it talked about our purpose, and it talked about grace. So sandwiched between saved and grace is this calling and this purpose that God has on our life. And I talked a little bit about it. Our calling is something that we are and something we do. But our purpose is something we love and something in our heart. And so I talked about the natural realm and the spiritual realm. The natural realm is, is what we're doing in this world right now. Uh, but we know there's more to come in this world. And our spiritual life and our things we see and we're living from above, I mean, this thing is phenomenal. It's almost like a, a, a romance. It's almost like somewhat mysterious what God is calling us to. But yet we got to deal with the natural. Got to take care of our families. Got to be good stewards of our finances. Got to be nice to one another. Got to get along in church. But at the same time, this purpose that we love and we are being called to, we'd almost rather just be mesmerized by that and just dream about that and just live in that all the time. But we can't. We always have to be taking care of this area and always have to be taking care of this area. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You know, God called Moses. Man, what, what an astounding thing is to have God talk to you out of a burning bush that does not get consumed and he's calling you to be his deliverer when you yourself know you need deliverance. <laughs> you understand? So man, here we are. We see in this purpose that we love and we know it's all God, but over here we see ourselves. And over here there's responsibility. Over here, there's disciplines. Over here, there's challenges. And we would much rather just live in this, where we dream and where we envision. And we need them both. I'm not discarding this or disregarding this, but there's two areas that we're always living in. But if we're, if we're not careful, we'll disconnect this from this. And if it doesn't stay connected, things happen that's not right. We get tired. We get overburdened. But yet this is great. But yet we're struggling with this. And that should not be a struggle. We, we should not get disconnected with what we're doing every day and what God has put before us. You should live in a peace. You should live in a rest. This shouldn't be so out of order and confusing. And then when you get over here, you're all okay. Like a church service like this. I feel the anointing here. Who would not want to live in this? But guess what? You got to walk out of here and deal with your kids. You got to deal with your boss. You have to deal with all of this. And if we're not careful, there'll be a disconnect between these two. We'll live in one or the other. And we need to live in them both. The natural needs to be spiritual. And the spiritual needs to be some natural in it, some practical things, some things that you implement. Are you getting this? That's how we say stay sane. That's how we keep our peace. That's how we, we, we don't need a hundred vacations. 
You know, we don't need more money. We, we don't need all these pats on the back because there's no disconnect there. And if there's a disconnect there, you're always trying something else to fill the void in your life. Or you're always looking for a sedative to get rest and to get, is this making sense to anybody? So we've been talking about discipleship. And Moses was that one being called to be a deliverer, but yet himself he needed some deliverance. And so God came to him and said, you're going to be my deliverer. And, and Moses basically said this, who am I? Now this is the natural realm. Who, who am I? But God's calling him. So this is big. And then he, he tells the Lord, well, if you send me, and I start speaking to you people because I have a problem speaking. If you send me and I start speaking to you people, who do I tell them that sent me? So not only did he not know who he was, but he didn't know who God was. And then he started saying, I I'm, I'm not eloquent in speech. I I'm slow in speech and I'm slow in tongue. And I started thinking about it. I can kind of relate. I started thinking about that. And I looked it up in the Hebrew, what that means to not be eloquent, to be slow in speech and slow in tongue. You're not going to believe what that meant. You're not ready for this. Y'all are not ready for this. What it meant to not be eloquent and slow in speech and slow in tongue. You know what Moses was saying? I'm Cajun. God will take you right where you are. You don't have to be like anybody else. I'm telling you the most secure thing besides connecting to Christ is knowing who you are in Christ and liking yourself. Come on, somebody. Y'all thought I was going to have this Hebrew. That's exactly what it means. So we're talking about discipleship, you know, this past month, this weeks to come. We're talking about uh, growing and allowing the Word of God to discipline us. And so this is kind of a topical message this morning. So I want you to bear with me. And the title of my message is that humility wins. Humility always wins. And just a little confession up front, I can improve in this area. What you laughing at? <laughs> I think we all can improve in this area. If we, if we would be honest and we would tell the truth. I'm going to read a scripture and because we know that the Lord despises pride. He despises pride. And the Bible says that he will exalt the humble. In other words, he graces us with abilities, anointing, wisdom. And, and so in that, we're promoted. But we don't promote ourselves because what he's given us is promoting us. And so his grace 
enables us to be exalted in places of influence that we can pronounce and proclaim the good things of our Father and the things that His Son provided for us on earth. So if we're in pride, and I'm just a pretty simple person to know one thing and then the other is like backwards or the direct opposite, pride will disgrace you. In, in a noticeable appearance, but also in ability and anointing and wisdom. Because once you follow yourself, you're in trouble. And so we know that Jesus was humble. And so I want to read this scripture that everybody knows, but I just feel like we need to see it. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, has the Lord consoled anybody in here any time in your life? Yeah. <laughs> Is there any comfort in love? When everybody else didn't love you, did you feel the love of Jesus? If any fellowship in the Spirit, anybody following the Holy Spirit? Anybody uh, sense that the Holy Spirit is for us and not against us? If any affliction and mercy, anybody have been shown mercy lately? I think I'm shown mercy daily. <laughs> In myself, I would self-destruct. I would really hurt more people than I probably do at times. But mercy, you know, the Bible says if, if we show mercy, we'll be shown mercy. I didn't tell Susan this. And probably shouldn't. Anyway, I got a ticket a while back. I was just kind of going a little too fast. And I didn't have my seatbelt on. I, I do wear my seatbelt. But I don't put it on when I get in the car. I got to be going down the road. You know, y'all, anybody do that? You put your seatbelt on. Raise your hand if you put your seatbelt on, seat on as you're going. Yeah. Who? No, I mean as you're driving. Shoot. Who puts the seatbelt on before they start the car? Oh, my God, you're doing so good. <laughs> I didn't think there were that many people like that. Get ready before you leave. Get prepared before you take off. That's a good word. I might need a little help in that area. Anyway, this guy pulled me over. I was going a little too fast, and I said, Sir, I am so sorry. He said, Are you Pastor Butch LeBeau? I said, Yeah. Ah. <laughs> that not, that's not working for you. You understand? I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed right now that I'm known. He said, yeah, I'm him. I'm him. I'm him. The River Church. You passed in the River Church? Yeah. Right down the road. Yeah, right up there. Yeah, I thought about that church. I thought about visiting that church. Yeah. <laughs> he said, I'm not going to write you a ticket. I said, great. He said, I'm going to just write you. He said, this is what he asked me. He said, did you have your seatbelt on? I mean, for a millisecond, for a millisecond, just a millisecond, I thought about saying, yeah. Because <laughs> he's going to catch me twice. I mean, don't look at me like you never think like that. Hey, real talk, real talk. Yeah. 
But you, you know, temptation, that's temptation. And temptation's not a sin. So to think about something for a moment or for a little time, it doesn't mean that you're sinning. And so I'm just, I mean, it would have been my flesh wanted to say, got it on. How many of y'all know I would have been irritated the rest of the day? So I just, I just said it. No! <laughs> and I made sure he heard me. He said, well, I'm going to write you up for without a seatbelt. I'm going to let you go, um, you know, for speeding. I said, I thank you. You know, gave me a little pat on the back. And thank you for doing your job. Of course, I never got the ticket. That's, I just never got the ticket. That's been three months. So I'll... I'm going to go walk in there and I'm going to try to pay my ticket. Last time I did that, the little lady came out and said, Sir, you can't pay that ticket. I said, Go tell your boss back there I want to pay my ticket. Because I tell my people all the time, Don't get your tickets fixed in the name of Jesus. Just, you know, take your lick and keep on ticking. Don't, don't go argue with the banker when your check bounces. And you got Jesus loves you on the check. And this happens commonly. You know, don't, don't go there and preach to them and tell them how much Jesus loved them and where you go to church. And don't mention my name, by the way. <laughs> Y'all understand how we do. When we, when we need mercy, we go off and just present Jesus. No, just lock your lips and just say, can you have mercy on me? What you want, my man? What, what, does, what, what does that even mean? What, what do you mean? Why did you wait three months? I didn't pay it. Because I wanted to have the story at its, mat, at its maturation period. I wanted the story to mature so God would get all the glory. And even, and even when my mama stands up against me and my wife stands up against me and several other people in the place stands up against me, God will get all the glory. Don't you forget, I got the microphone. I have the last. I totally just having fun. Let's, let's, let's continue this. Let's stay in the scripture. Verse 2, Paul said, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. Not like Paul, but, but like Jesus, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. That's powerful. What do you rate there? Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, now you take care of yourself, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. In other words, Rachel's the praising leader today, and the people on the team are somewhat submitted to her. And so none of those people should use their position in knowing Rachel above anybody else here. Same thing with you on the job. You're close to the boss. Everybody else is not. Don't use your position 
as a, a high-minded place in your own mind and put yourself above everybody else. You were given that position and that place of influence to actually esteem everyone else higher than yourself and also to be an influence and also to show and emulate Jesus. Come on, somebody. So Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Now, Susan just mentioned that. I just saw this in the scripture. We have a reputation, and God gives us our reputation because he gives us influence, he gives us position, he gives us anointings, he gives us ability, he gives us wisdom to put us in a place. And now we do have a reputation, but he built it, we didn't. So we don't make our reputation. God puts a reputation on us when we're obedient to him. That's a good word right there. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Listen to these three words. He humbled himself and became obedient. So we're connecting obedience with humble, being humble. And really, a humble man is an obedient man to God. Not his flesh, not his friends. You understand, when it comes to God, God is first and foremost. When it comes to an opinion, when God already spoke, the opinion is no good. A humble man has no opinion once God has made a statement. The humble man, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death. Three words I just saw in there. Humble, obedient, and death. It's going to cost you to be humble. It's painful to be humble to your flesh. But in the long run, you get the promises of God. You see, a prideful man can't stand the pain in his flesh. So he goes in that direction because he considers himself. Now, Jesus was humble because he knew pride. Not that he experienced pride, but he knew pride. You know, the Bible says that Jesus tastes death. That meant he knew death because he experienced death. That's why he can relate to us and everything we go through. And so he knew pride because, not because he tasted it, because he cast pride out of heaven. And I don't know if this works with you, but a lot of things that are not right, I don't do because one day I might have to talk to people about it. And I'd be a hypocrite to live it and then tell people what they need to do. So I'm always thinking, if I do this wrong, I'm a pastor, and everybody here is deputized to minister, so we're all in the same boat. And so I'm always thinking the wrong things I do, eventually I'm going to have to help somebody with that wrongdoing. So my best strength, of course, is in Christ, but I have a good record in that area. I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm not talking about we don't mess up. But when that subject comes up, I can talk confident about it. I can quote the scriptures about it and not be pricked in my heart by the Holy Spirit about my wrongdoing. Now, if I did do it, I'd just repent and the slate is clean 
and we can just always work from there. But if you're constantly doing it, you hadn't repented. Y'all got that? And so Jesus cast pride out of heaven. So he knows pride. And he knows not to go there because heaven dislikes it. And there's no place in heaven for it. And what's disallowed in heaven is disallowed on earth. So he made up his mind. I am going to be the most humble man on the planet. I started thinking about that. All the scriptures are inspired by the Holy Spirit. And the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. Okay? And so actually, Jesus is telling us the word. Word Jesus, y'all got that? Parallel. Jesus is telling us he's the most humble man on the planet. I didn't think a humble man could say I'm humble because the moment you said that, you're in pride. Well, that was my thinking until I read the scriptures. The Bible says Moses was one of the most humble men on the face of the earth. And it's in Numbers 23.3. And he penned it by the Holy Ghost. So here we go again. Moses is speaking because we read it. He wrote it. He said it by the Holy Ghost. So Moses is saying, I'm the most humble man in the earth. And I'm thinking, there goes my philosophy on saying that you humble. And then we read about John, and it's a little sketchy in areas, but John also it says in John, the one whom loved Jesus kind of the most. Well, who pinned that? <laughs> and, but you understand, they're pinning the word of God by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. And then Paul says this, I served all in the spirit of humility. And he also said, I've served with a pure conscience before all men. I'm like, who pinned that? Paul did, by the Holy Ghost. Isn't that powerful? So I said all of that to say this. If the Spirit of God... No, I'm not about to say that. <laughs> I'm not about to say that. You said that. And if you said it in minute, I receive it. But if you said it joking, I don't receive it. But, but this is my point. If those four men said it by the Spirit, it means that the Spirit talked to them and located them where their heart was. So they actually pinned it just the way the Spirit said it. So if the Spirit located them in this positive realm of being humble, how much more can the Spirit show us where we are in humility? Now, I didn't hear that from nobody. I heard that from the Holy Ghost. How much more? All of this. I heard that from the Holy Ghost. The last four things I talked about, I heard that from the Holy Ghost. 
because they pinned it. Y'all agree? And they said that. It seems like it's arrogant. But they knew it by the Spirit. They were right with God. Just like you and I, we know at times, we're just so right with God. Somebody does something to us, and, and we know our heart is pure. And we go back over our heart to make sure it's pure. Make sure we didn't do the wrong thing. Susan says, sometimes I say I'm sorry and I didn't even do anything, but we're trying to make sure our hearts are right and that's the Spirit of God working with us. So you understand, the Spirit can locate us. That is the glorious thing about the Holy Spirit. When we're missing it, He can tell us. When we're hitting it, He can tell us. But we don't talk about it much when we're hitting it. The Holy Spirit loves you. The Holy Spirit knows when you're obedient. The Holy Spirit will give you somewhat of praise and thankfulness when you own it. Is that okay to say that? And that's that way when we get it from the Holy Spirit, we don't need it from each other. Now that's good too. We need affirmation. But man, if the Holy Spirit is locating you and telling you, you you're safe in this area. How many of y'all know the Holy Spirit will tell you when you're not safe? I mean, we go there, we'll go quick, we believe that, the Holy Ghost is dealing with me. Any, ever hear anybody say that? But at the same time, the Holy Spirit can just show you when you're hitting it. That's why when your brother comes up to you and he starts, there's some strife going on and maybe they're saying something that's not right, you're just as confident. It's just, you just listen, you don't swing back, kind of turn the other cheek, and you don't walk away and say, God won't get you because the Holy Ghost helped you. The Holy Ghost had you zip your mouth. The Holy Ghost had you not get in the flesh. That, none of that was part of my message, but y'all getting this? We always pointing, you know, we always got the log in our eye and the, you know what I mean? We're trying to get the log out of somebody else's eye and we got a log in our eye and what they're doing is not as bad as what we got in our life and it's this thing and it's, oh, it's so ridiculous it's so hypocritical it's so not Jesus it's so, it's so not the believer's life a pure heart shall see God a pure heart will be blessed a pure heart will be visited by God a pure heart man I'm telling you in the service I mean you know if if uh, some of our lives are like a blinking light, you know. We in, we out, we in, we out, we in, we out, we in, we out, we in. And I mean, it's, come on, it's just like that sometimes. But I felt in the service this morning when the Lord had my finger. And then, you know, it don't take much for him to hold you up. He don't have to carry all of me, just, just grab a part of me. I felt so welcomed. I felt so honored. And, and it's not about those type of experiences because this is actually manifesting we know things by faith not by fear that was a feeling that was a good feeling I'm like live by faith and when the feelings come just get as many as you possibly can but when they're not there just keep trusting the Lord living by faith <clears throat> see my eyes thank you Lord thank you for the people in this church in my years of ministry I've come to the grand conclusion Stay low, humility always wins. Walk low, stay low, humility will always win. I'm going to give you five ways to guard your humility. And this could change our lives. 
it can change the lives of people around us. It can change, it can change where we live, our neighborhood, our cities, the work environment. It can send our ministries to another level. It can make you a better leader. It can put you out in front because you'll be exalted. You understand, humility will allow the grace of God to begin to flow in your life like never before. I mean, if we, if we apply this in our marriages with our children, you know, in our families, in the church, it's just we will all win. You know, when somebody gets blessed and the other person gets excited, they're just really humble people. It's not like, what about me? Humility. I feel a silence right here. A humble person will be silent at times. Don't need to say something. Don't need to say anything. Don't need to be recognized. And, and you know, sometimes humble people, they try to hide from people. I'm not talking about that. You know, I'm, I'm not talking about... You know, like if you're the worship leader, you don't go get in the back room and start worshiping, worshiping when you're leading. You don't leave the team to go get humble before God. No, you stay humble before people. It's easy to be humble when nobody's around. But how about when the spotlight is on and everybody's looking at you? That's why you need to be humble and just keep serving the Lord, keep lifting up the name of Jesus. This message is going to help somebody. Every point has an A in it. Eliminate the thoughts of amazement. You're not that amazing. <laughs> Neither am I. <laughs> so just eliminate those thoughts. <laughs> I mean, if we, we can't even compare with Hollywood in talent. So, I mean, come on, there might be a couple of y'all in here. Yeah, so don't, don't be so flattered and impressed and amazed with yourself. Now, I'm going to tell you, we do have some talented people. I am amazed with you, but let's don't get in, caught up in our own amazement. You don't have to stare in the mirror too long. You know, the Bible, not the Bible, even supermodels, now that they got it all right, they still point to negatives in their life. They see the negatives more than they see all of the positives in their life. So I'm just telling you up front, I don't care how amazing you are, just don't be amazed with yourself. If you think of yourself too highly, there's a fall that's going to come, and it'd be flat on your face. And so 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2 says, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. This is Paul, the scholar. This man is amazing. He's a Hebrew of Hebrews. And when it comes to anything, Christ and him crucified is the base, is the foundation of everything he's going to say. And so before he says anything, he's thinking about Christ and him crucified, the humble servant, the bond servant of the Father, the one that left heaven and came to earth, the one that said to all of us, all authority has been given to me. Now go make disciples in all of the nations, teaching them what you yourself have observed, and I will be with you forever. The one with all authority, all power, humbles himself. How much more can we do it? Now he was amazing. 
but that didn't that didn't make him better than anybody else you understand as a human now he knew it was a deity in him also and what what did Jesus do he washed his disciples own feet they messed up everything I mean I'm telling he's trying to start a ministry they just in the way <laughs> you know, but it's all he got to work with and he knows what humility can do it can teach it can challenge it can get the point across so he humbled himself isn't, isn't that powerful he took little children and he put them in his lap you know I was convicted this week about again our children you know for the last 20 years I've been the pastor of this church and I've been dealing with the crazy old people I mean all of us. <laughs> and so I didn't spend much time with the children back there, but we've had some great educators and we have some great, great children's teachers now. And uh, some, some of you walked in here with your kids in your belly. And they actually grew up, grew up here. Uh, Brennan's one, there's others here that, I mean, it's just, man, after 20 years of seeing kids grow up, I'm beginning to see the potential back there. I'm beginning to see the potential in your kids and your kids you're going to have. And, and Faith yeah. and Grant and all, everybody, all these, I mean, the Aaron, amazing, just amazing. And, and thank God we've had ministers to take care of the little ones while pastors taking care of the grown-ups. But I was, I was, I've been, I was talked to a pastor this week and he was so negative in, in, well, not negative, but basically telling the truth, the directions of our school and the, the broken homes and just on and on and on. And finally, I just had to say, stop. I just, man, listen, I understand all of that, but let me tell you what we got at the River Church. We're in the back back here taking care of our children. I'm children. I'm telling you, that play was amazing. It was totally amazing. We had a lot of uh, visitors, a lot of... Uh, unbelievers that came there and they just preached the gospel the kids I'm talking about Drew Kelsey the twins I'm like dude they were called Holly and Jolly last night and I'm thinking I whipped those kids and then even after their parents and I mean they all just beginning to blossom and they are the ones that are coming up and how valuable they are and so when I get touched, you know, when you get touched by the goodness of God, first thing you want to do is give more of yourself. So I told Susan, I'm giving all those kids. I'm personally going to give all those kids. I want to give each one of them a present for Christmas. So tell them to come Wednesday night, all of the kids, and I'm going to give them each a present. And so if you have kids coming, just let me know. I'm going to go get them a present. Whoever it is, if you're here today and you didn't hear about what we're going to do. If you bring children here, let me know. I'm going to personally give them a present because our kids are the next generation. And if we don't take care of them, who will? Whoo! He determined not to know anything but Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness. Very transparent. Fear to the faith crowd. We be honest, it all hits us. 
Now, we don't live in it. We don't allow that. God didn't give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of love and a spirit of power and a spirit to have a sound mind, the mind of the Holy Ghost. And you said, my speech and my preaching were not persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. So he basically had some problems with speech. And if you would look that up in the Greek, it would also come right back down to he had a Cajun accent. <laughs> Some of y'all didn't get it the first time and you missed it again. There it goes. <clears throat> Chances are you're not amazing. If you think you are, you're living in your own head and you hadn't traveled too far. This is what I do. And I mean, this thing hits, you know. I, I mean, we are so gifted. We're so knowledgeable. We do have wisdom. We have the gifts of the Spirit. We have the fruit of the Spirit. But if we're not careful, man, we're thinking of ourselves in our own head. And so the best thing to do when the amazing thoughts start, hit, thoughts start hitting you, just say, I'm nothing. Now, now that's, you're telling your flesh that. You are everything in the eyes of God. You're the apple of his eye. But you tell your flesh, you ain't getting your way. I'm going to stay humble. So train yourself to reject thoughts of pride and this will eventually overcome the temptation for us to think highly about ourselves. If you learn to cast those things down. And this scripture, so pride, so pride should really be painful to a Christian. And it's not. It's almost like a right that we have. Of course, we're American. But pride should be painful. Just like bad food. Ah, I don't want that in me. And we'll go, we'll go brush our teeth. We'll, go, we'll throw it all in the garbage. We, we will get the mouth washed. We will do whatever it takes to get that distasteful thing out of our mouth. But when it comes to pride, sometimes we pet it like a pet. Like it's a part of who we are. And so we need to be quick to repent in our own hearts about pride. Everybody say, stay low. Humility wins. Number two, beware of accomplishments. For I say through the grace given to me, this is Paul again, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. You know what sober thinking is? It's to see yourself as the Holy Spirit tells you you are. That's being sober. For God has dealt to each one of us a measure of faith. Our accomplishments are important. And attaining levels in success, that's very important. That's what we want. But the danger is basking in our accomplishment and relying on them for identity. I'm going to bring up what Susan went through last night. I'm telling you, pride will put mileage on you. Pride will keep you from sleeping. Pride will have you sick in your body. Pride will have you pointing a finger at everybody. I'm telling you, pride will mess you up. It will hurt you. You will die young. You will die prematurely staying in pride. Come on. It will age you. It will have you leaning over. It will take the skip out of your step and the song out of your heart. 
It will move you out of church. It will move you out of relationships. Pride's a killer because, the, because Satan is the king of pride. And what he's trying to raise up is little disciples of pride. Be like me. Be like me. Be like me. Be like me. Feed your flesh. Feed the cravings. Feed the appetite. Whereas the Lord wants to raise up his children in humility. Somebody sent me this this morning. And because you were talking, I thought this was really good. At the root of insecurity, the anxiety over how others think, of us is pride. If you always worried about how you look, what people think about, what people say, and you trying to please everybody, I'm going to call it what it is. It's pride. Can't sleep at night because you're worried about people. It's pride. You ever heard it like that? And pride will develop very, it will be, develop insecurity. Insecurity is pride. We all, you know, coming out of some insecure areas in our life. And so if you, in, I mean, God's for you. Who's, who can be against you? Why would you be insecure? You're the apple of his eye. And so sometimes we just need to repent of insecurity because insecurity is just bringing pride. And you have to tell everybody because you're insecure, uh, I'm not like you. Well, I'm not like you. Well, I'm not like you. Well, we should glean from each other, and we all should have little pieces and parts of, you know, different traits in Christ. And so if, if you're going to be the only different one in the church, <laughs> that's pride too, because you ain't that different, boo. <laughs> you're really not that different. Who puts on their pants left footed first? Who does that? Left, left foot first. Y'all do right? You don't know? Stand up, try your pants off. Take your pants off, put them back on. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. How you do it? Left? Who does? Left. I always left. You do left? Think about it. Come on, you need to know what foot you put in your pants. What? Right? Some things you need to talk about. You need to think about. And I'm going to tell you where that came from. That's what you were taught. Your mama took your pants because you couldn't put your own pants on. Put your leg in there. And she tapped your leg or something. Next thing you know, you put your, put your pants on. Put your pants on. Put your pants on. And those people that got those low-riding pants... That show way too much crack. I think they just jump in their pants. And they never completely go on. Because if you put one in one leg at a time, you can pull that sucker up. Thomas, what you laughing at? This pride is an excessive desire. Somebody sent me this this morning. For others to see us as impressive and admirable. Insecurity is the fear that instead they will see us as deficient. We don't want nobody to see us second rate or deficient. 
You just need to know sometimes your breath stinks. You just need to know. Tell your neighbor your breath stinks sometimes. <laughs> and you need to know there probably have been a booger on your nose at times. You understand? You, not, you are not as pristine as you think you really are. You spent four hours in the mirror and it still ain't right. You painted it, you cut it, you tucked it, you stuffed it, and it still ain't right. So don't get all worked up. It'll never be all right. Insecurity, insecure pride, let's put it like that, is a dangerous fear because insecurity can lead to great disobedience. If you're insecure, there's some pride there. And if you got pride there, talk to Saul. You will be disobedient. So the quickest thing to do is just get secure in God. God's for you, not against you. Stay out of pride. David was a, a leader for years, but he stopped going to war. And he started staring at something that he wasn't supposed to be staring at. Pride will stare at something it's not supposed to stare at. Pride will think about things it's not supposed to think about. Next thing you know, you're out of the call, you're out of the will of God, you're out of the purpose of God, and now everybody's a problem. And pride falls. But you know what? Pride's falling, but pride can't see it. Everybody else sees it. But pride is so prideful, it can't even see it stumbling and falling. It looked like a bird just messed in their face. They can't see it. <laughs> Uzziah. Uzziah was an awesome, awesome ruler. He was an awesome ruler. But all of a sudden, he decided he's going to go into the temple and he's going to offer up incense. And it wasn't his place. It wasn't his position. It was the priest Aaron to do it. And he just got so strong, got so famous, got so uh, known that he just walks in the temple and he just starts burning incense. And they warn him. And he doesn't stop. And all of a sudden, leprosy comes on him. Next thing you know, Isaiah's in the temple at Uzziah's funeral, and he's seeing the glory of the Lord, filling the place, because the king died prematurely. Something got on him because of pride. So your accomplishments can put you in a place, and then you get prideful about it. Don't go there. Most of the downfall of leaders happen after they grow strong. People find, I mean, I'm telling you, I've been around here long enough. When you ain't got nothing, you humble. It's easy to stay humble when you ain't got nothing because you need everything. But once you think you got everything, you don't think you need nothing. You don't even need God. Next thing you know, you could be flat on your face. I'm just talking. Now, all these things happen to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Listen to this. Note, y'all have heard me quote this scripture before. This is such a fine scripture. 
No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. We've all been tempted. Well, I got this temptation nobody else has. No, sorry. <laughs> For ages, people have been tempted in the same area. But God is faithful. When the temptation has come, the Bible comes, the Bible tells me God is faithful. As soon as your flesh flares up, flesh flares up, God is right there for you. I mean, as soon as the temptation comes, God is there. It's like, it's like two dogs fitting a fight. God's ready. He's got you. And the Bible says, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear. So there's always a way out of temptations. And y'all know we pray that prayer. It's in the Our Father. Lord, lead us not into temptation. Why would we pray that? Why God would, would God lead you into temptation? That's a question. Would God, we pray, Lord, don't lead us into evil. Don't lead us into temptation. Would God lead you into, lead you into temptation? That's a trick question. Be careful how you nod. God will never tempt you. The Bible says we're tempted by our own desires, our own flesh, our own enticements. We entice ourselves. But does God tempt? Does he lead you into temptation? The Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness and the devil tempted Jesus. So the Lord doesn't tempt, but we will find in this world God will allow us to be in places to test our faith. And when you pass those temptations, you listen to that scripture. When he came out of the wilderness, he had the same power that he went when he went in. He didn't lose anything. He didn't deflate. He didn't wobble. He didn't waver. He came out. And then the Bible says the enemy left. He resisted the devil, but the enemy would come back at an opportune time. So he doesn't go away. He keeps tempting you in an area until you really pass the test and your faith grows so strong in that area that no longer do you fumble there. And people, you know, people always use the scriptures that Jesus sat with the sinners. He, he went in these places with the time. He did all of that, but he never sinned. He ministered to the prostitute, but he never gave himself to the prostitute. He ministered to the tax collectors, but they never talked him into beating Caesar. And so you got to be strong enough to do that before you put yourself in that place. Because if you put yourself in that place, if your flesh is still alive in that area, it will entice you to do it. There's people not in this church today because they thought they were strong enough and they were not. And they put themselves in a place, not with any accountability, and the next thing you know, what they said they wouldn't do, and they never wanted to do, didn't intend on doing it, but the enemy comes like an angel of light, entices the flesh, next thing you know, the hook is in them, and they're in a place they never should have been. Now, I'm not saying you can't go to that place, but you need to make sure you're strong enough before you go there. And sometimes, some things you never go back to. Years ago, we had a friend, he came off of Bourbon Street. Three years later, after he was in the Lord, he thought he was there. He said, Pastor, the Lord's calling me back to Bourbon Street. I said, no, he's not. I said, matter of fact, 
I, I said it by the Spirit. You'll never go back to Bourbon Bird, Bird, Street. I said it by the Spirit. You know what he did? He went back to Bourbon Street and never came back. Saw him. Now, Kevin was on Bourbon Street somewhere preaching, but he's strong enough. He didn't go there in the beginning. But that guy went back and never came back. And prophetically, I was speaking to him to never go back, but his pride says, I'm going back. So guess what he did? He went back, never came back. My God, listen to good counsel. A multitude of counsel is safety. You'll, you'll endure the temptations. You'll endure the hardships like a soldier. You'll make, you'll run the course. Number three, walk in the master's anointing. Jesus said this because his disciples, as soon as Jesus said, I'm going to die, you know what they did? Where's my place? They wanted to know what was their position. Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God? And this is what Jesus said. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? See, that's a preacher question right there. Yet I am among you as the one who serves. So what Jesus is saying, it's not the one sitting at the table. It's the one serving the table. You know, every restaurant I go to, it's almost, I don't feel sorry. That's not a good line for the waitress. But I don't want them to feel like they got to like wait on me as somebody less than me. I, I just want to take that off. I mean, that is their job. I came in here to eat. And so if the food's bad, it's the cook. Don't blast the little lady that brings it out. And she's only two weeks into serving. And then you're going to talk about Jesus at the table. Please. Please. Man, what I do, I love, we, we just, first thing we do, we try to connect with those little waiters or waitresses and, we, we just want them, I, I almost want them to sit down and eat with me. Uh, you know, y'all, anybody feels like that? Listen, I'll just pay you to sit and eat with us. Let's just talk. But that's their job. They can't do that. So I'm, I'm very uh, sensitive to their time. I won't keep them. But I try to make sure we're equal. You know, we're just equal. You understand? I appreciate you serving me. Tip them big. That tells them we're equal. Give them nothing, you put yourself above them, and you make them your subordinates. And let me tell you something about a believer, about a believer, it's not how many are serving you, it's how many are you serving. That's what it's all about. Not, you know, I've watched people grow up in this church, all of a sudden they're somebody in their mind, and now they got all their little subjects. You're not my subjects, you're not even my sheep. I'm just an overseer of the Lord's sheep. And I'm just responsible for you in the place that he's put me in, but you're really not my sheep. I'm just an under-shepherd. He's your great shepherd, your good shepherd, your chief shepherd. Come on, somebody. Jesus even washed the feet of Jesus. Washed the feet of Judas. Lived among the common folk. Associated with the lepers, the helpless, those that nobody else wanted to touch. Don't ever think you're too good to help somebody else that maybe doesn't have what you have 
or the ability that you have. I'm going to tell out on myself again. I came here for the children's play. When we pulled in, this happens to me all the time. The practice one night. We pulled in, and when we pulled in, there was a man in the bushes right there. And the man had some type of cloak over his head. He had a beard, and he was just sitting there, not standing there, looking at me. When the lights flashed across him, I saw him. And I came under the carport, and Susan said, you need to go deal with him. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not dealing with that right now. I said, let's go inside. Let's do what we got to do. Michael Cosentino needed something to marry somebody, so we had to come over here and get it. And I joyfully sent it to him. He's doing a great job. Y'all pray for him. <clears throat> but anyway... And Susan said, you need to go. And somebody's knocking on the door. And I said, Sue, let's get this done, then I'll go deal with it. How many of y'all know I didn't want to deal with it? But those people haunt me. It's always a test. Jesus said, what you do to the least, you do to me. And I see the least in my eyes. And I'm always wondering, is that you, Lord? So that's all I'm thinking about. I'm kind of irritated and aggravated my day off. I don't want to deal with a homeless person. I'm just being honest. Sometimes I don't want to deal with nobody. Don't look at me like that. You ain't that holy. And so my wife, my wife is always the other side. I live with humility. I sleep with humility. I commune with humility. I married humility. <laughs> and so man all I can see is when my lights hit that guy I'm telling you he didn't look like Jesus he just stood there so I walk out the door and Pastor Call's right there I said Pastor Call there's a homeless man here would you walk over there with me so we can kind of see what he needs you know what Pastor Carl said? Pastor, I already took care of it. <laughs> I said, Carl, you're a bigger man than me. So then I go run in the children's church and I tell everybody. I said, Doris, there's a homeless man out there. You know, we told him there's children, there's ladies over here just to stay over here. So I, I, went, I went to all the guys. I went to Jeremy. I said, that, Jeremy said, I know. I went to Paul. Paul said, I know. I mean, I'm fighting it, and everybody just took care of it. Easily. It wasn't a big deal. Believe me, Jesus is around us all the time. It's the test to see if we're prideful or humble. And if you just stop long enough, and ask the Lord what to do, he will tell you. And then you got to deal with something else now. You're going to be obedient? Or you're going to be disobedient? And then you got to deal with the next factor. It's going to hurt. It's going to take time. You're going to have to be considerate. You're going to have to be patient. You're going to have to be slow. You're going to have to do something. Everybody say, stay low. Humility wins. Change your attitude. Listen to me. You who follow after righteousness, who seek the Lord, look to the rock from whom you were hewn and to the hole of the pit 
from which you were dug. When I was in Israel, I looked at the Temple Mount and these huge cornerstones. They, they're parallel to the pyramids, the way they built that. And so I'm like, where did those huge things come from? So they took us to the other side of the city where they hewn these huge 18, 20 foot, six foot wide, six foot tall stones and they drug them to the Temple Mount. They came from a place. And you know what? We need to adjust our attitude. Don't you forget where you came from. Don't forget where the Lord dug you out of, what he took you out of, the mess that we put ourselves in and he pulled us out. That right there is enough to keep us humble. Don't forget your messy beginnings. Don't forget your sinful nature and what you did to people and what you did to yourself and the havoc you caused. You might be sitting here and said, I never did any of that. You're full of pride. It may not be as nasty as somebody else. You didn't get locked up because you didn't get caught. There's nothing God hates worse than for someone who he showers grace upon and they forget their pitiful beginnings. How much of a sleazeball we really were. Israel forgot they came out of Egypt. So you know what God did? On this feast day, you're going to stay in a booth. Who wants to live in a booth? I can't leave, no. You stay in that booth. That's to remind you the captivity you were in. That's to remind you what I brought you out of. And you know, they, all, they probably all decorated their booths up, started measuring booths, probably added on to their booth if they were a contractor. You know what I mean? And they don't get it at all. Last point, last point. Apply prayer and fasting. Then the disciples came to Jesus probably, privately and said, why could we not cast him out? You know why they couldn't cast him out? Because it was all about we. Why can we? Why can we? And Jesus rebuked them, and then he rebuked the devil, and then he told them what their problem was. It was we. It's unbelief. And then he goes on and says that prayer and fasting, it takes this to get this kind out. That's my last point. We need to pray and we need to fast. The greatest act of humility is to fast. I'm not talking about TV. I'm not talking about Xbox game. I'm not talking about LSU. I'm not talking about cigarettes. I'm not talking about alcohol. I'm talking about food. When you deny your flesh of what your flesh wants the most, that's the biggest act of humility. What you think you need the most, and you say, no, you're not getting it. That's the biggest act of humility. And it's painful. I like to eat a lot. Who doesn't like to eat? That makes sense. You deny your flesh. And then don't go tell everybody. It's not a weight loss program. I'm denying my flesh. How do I look? Boy, you thin. I know, man. I'm just, I'm eating right. No, no, no. Nobody knows. It's an act of humility between you and God. Try it. You'll like it. The miracles will be incredible. 
And then Jesus ties in this phrase, nothing will be impossible. Nothing will be impossible. I'm telling you, you restrict the flesh. You starve the flesh and feed your spirit and you watch what happened. The, the psalmist said in Psalm 69, 10, I humbled my soul with fasting. I humbled my soul. That's your mind, will, and emotions. You humble your soul. You tell your soul you're going to obey God. You're going to do what's right without getting religious. Try it. You'll like it. Some, some of the times that I fasted, just to give you the experience I have, I mean, it's just phenomenal. And sometimes I feel like a young person. I feel totally energized and strong. And, and it, 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 I mean, it's completely opposite of what you think. But there's a period of pain. There's a period of pressing through. And I don't want to get religious with this, but you need to be, as a believer, to do the impossible, to do the things that need to be done for people, you need to be praying and fasting. I found that fasting causes an exodus. Something's going to leave that something can be filled. It's, it's things leave you that you struggled with. Because when you're fasting, prayerfully, you know, you're in the Word, you're in communication with God. And, and as these things leave, the things that, you know, the, I'm telling you, hunger is real. Jesus hungered for 40 days. The Bible says he got hungry after 40 days. Some people get hungry after four minutes. He got hungry after 40 days. So don't see this as impossible. It's a spiritual implement, something you implement spiritually to get filled with the Spirit and His wisdom and His ability to take care of something you couldn't take care of before. We should attack pride like a doctor attacks cancer. They want to cut it out. They want to fire it up. They want to radiate it. They want to destroy it. They want to eliminate it that life could come back and people could get restored. We need to attack pride in our life, not other people's life. If you have a relationship, you might ought to talk to a few people. We have commandos in this congregation that I'm sending out to talk to people about pride. Don't you shoot them. This is how we would like it done. Let's see, let's see how they react. We would like to do this. Let's see how they react. We don't want to do it that way anymore. The Lord showed us to do this. Let's see how they react. <laughs> I don't know, I'm thinking of Chuck E. Cheese right now. We're not going to boom, and you just pop up over here somewhere. You know, in something else. No, we the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is going to humble all of us. That we can be, that our gentleness will be known to all men. Everybody say, stay slow. Stay, stay low. Stay because humility wins. Amen. I don't know. I just feel like prize like cancer. It will eventually take you out. 
if not treated, if not dealt with, if not eliminated. And believe me, we all got it, so we all going to stand up. Everybody stand up here right now. And, and whether you wanted to stand or whether you didn't, you're going to be tested. You understand? Because when you decide I'm not going to be in pride, it's like going against the grain with your flesh. The first person you're going to deal with is you. <laughs> and then the next person you're going to deal with is somebody close. Like they'll say something like, who do you think you are? And you'll just have to say, you know, I'm just like you. I'm, I'm fighting this pride thing. I want to win. Because my pastor said humility wins. So I don't want to be prideful in any area of my life. And we're not going over this where people will use you and abuse you if you're humble and meek. No way. They tried that with Jesus. He just got up. I'm not saying people won't come against you. But you'll get up. You'll outlast everything that's attacking you. You stay humble. Lord, I just thank you for our congregation, Jesus. I thank you for your sheep. I thank you that your sheep know the shepherd. They know your voice. They don't listen to a stranger. I thank you, Lord. I thank you. We come as a family, as one, and we just lay down these fleshly cravings and fleshly dreams and fleshly wants and our way and self-ambition and self-centeredness and self-assertion and selfishness, Lord. We just, Father, we just lay all that junk at the feet of the cross right now that the blood would wash us of our sinful ways. The blood would wash us of, of these irritations and frustrations that come from fighting for what we want, what we have to have in the flesh. Lord, we want to be like you. We want to be just like you. We want to, be, we want to just do everything wholeheartedly unto you and not pleasing man, but pleasing you. So, Lord, thank you for every person that's saved, every person that's called, every purpose person that you have put purpose in, and every person that you're gracing right now to stand against any attack, any temptation, or any forward motion towards them from the enemy or the pits of hell. I thank you that the Bible says, Jesus, you said that the gates of hell will not prevail against your church and this is your church, this is your people. And I thank you that any pride that fights against the church and the ways and the will and the word of the Lord is going to be dealt with. You either deal with it now or it's going to be dealt with. There's nothing going to come against what God is building in your life, in this church, in his kingdom. And the, the biggest fighter, the, the world wrestler, in this world is the one that throws the pride punches. The, 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 the attitudes of me, 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 me. They're destroyers. They try to, they come against the kingdom of God. 
while everybody's standing. I'm looking at the floor. I'm not even going to look up. If you got pride in your life, just raise your hand. I pray the Lord grab your finger or your hand and help you in your time of need. I mean, if you're desperate about getting out of yourself, man, my Lord Jesus is here. He can fill you faster than you can fill a cup of water. He can fill you. He can fill you. He can fill you. I feel like today there's some things exiting out of you right now. Go in the name of Jesus. Coming out of you right now. Mindsets, traditions, things that have plagued you most of your life, things that parents put in you, teachings put in you, things that you picked up and you learned that wasn't even close to being righteous. Leave in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you sever them from all the appetites of the world. In the name of Jesus. Blood wash. Blood bought. Blood healed. Blood empowered. Blood wisdom. Blood filling. Blood goodness. Blood, blood pleasure. All through your blood, Lord. Shaka brada. The power of God hit you right where you are. The power of God caused you to excel. The power of God called you to be catapulted beyond areas that you ever dreamed of. The blood of Jesus and that power lift you up to a higher place. Lift you up to a higher place. Lift you up in your mind. Lift you up in your emotions. Lift and energize your spirit. Lift you up in activity of, of, of wanting and desiring wisdom and fellowship with the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. The fire of God touch everyone in here. The fire of God touch you that you can touch somebody. Something's coming out of you, so something greater than what you are comes in you. An empowerment for impactment. I pray your spouse is not here. Get in you what he needs. Confidence, anointing, power, surety, clarity. Get it. Get it. Receive it. Receive it. Get another dose of love for the resistance that you've been putting up with. Get it. Get it. Receive it. Say, Lord, give me what I need to touch my spouse. Give me what I need to touch my wayward children. Give me what I need, Lord. Not what I want. What I need, Lord. You sense, feel the power of God on you, in you, around you. This is not for everybody. Nobody's being excluded. It's not about a feeling. But if God is doing something in you, and he can do it without the feeling, but I'm just calling those that are being touched right now. And if you're not being touched, you're not being eliminated. You're not second rate. It's just what it is. I'm not really feeling touched right now, but I sense the power of the Holy Spirit. But if you're being touched, come up here right now. Come up here. God is starting something in you. God is starting something in you. God is starting something in you. Maybe something has never started in you. Maybe you never gave your life to Jesus. Come up here. Come up here. Come up here. 
Maybe you've never cried for the lost. Maybe you never cried for the lost. Maybe you never had a burden for those that are missing heaven in a big way and it doesn't even move you. You're not even concerned about that. Man, if God can work in you the way he is right now, of course he could work through you to someone else. God's just working through me right now. And he wants to work through you like he's working through me. You may not have a crowd, but you got one or two that you will face tomorrow, that you will face when you get home. You have the ability in Christ to make a difference. Don't even feel sorry for yourself. God's showing you mercy right now. God's giving you things you didn't know was available to help you, to help a world that's dying and going to hell. Jesus was able to touch the untouchables, help those that couldn't help themselves. He would help the little children. He would touch the lepers. He'd sit with the sinners. He'd, he'd talk with the tax collectors. And I mean, he'd just, ha, ah, he'd run out and talk to that homeless man, the one that was haunting me, that we pull back when God is saying, go forward. God wants to use you. You're his rest vessel of righteousness. You all he has. And he wants to fill you. Fill you with glory. Fill you with power. Fill you with ability. Fire of God. The fire of God. The fire of God. Take care of your wife. Hey! Oh, I thought that was Tim. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta catch your own wife. Fire! 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 I don't mean that disrespectful in any kind of way. Fire! Fire. You come too far to look back. You come way too far to look back. You come too way too far to look back. Come way too far. You are loved in this place. You are loved. You are loved. You are consoled. You are valuable. You are a particular specimen to the Lord and his body. Hey, you are part of God's creativity. <laughs> Different and unique. You too. 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 Beautiful lady. Beautiful lady. Yeah, the Lord says you're beautiful. Yeah, the Lord says you're significant. Yes, the Lord says I will use you. Don't feel like you're being left behind. The Lord says he's not leaving anybody behind. We're all going forward. We're all on the same page. Fire. Come on. Fire. Fire. You're special. You're special, Pastor Kevin. You're special. 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 Don't lie in bed like my wife. Think those things. I'm telling you. Make you old quick. She got my soul on you. Special. Special inside and out. Love. Love by the brethren. Love by the body. Hey. 
It's not about what you do. It's who you are in Christ. Not about what you accomplish. It's who you are in Christ. It's not about your achievements or how amazing you may think you are yourself. It's about Christ in you and the hope of glory. Hey, have fun. Don't get stressed. No anxiety. Peace. 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 I'm waiting for this testimony. I'm seeing the testimony. I'm seeing it in your eyes.